Hello and welcome to Curious City. My name is Letty and I'm one of the co-founders of Curious Arts. This is a podcast all about encouraging people to get curious about what's going on creatively across the city. Um, I will be talking to a collection of individuals and organisations and companies that are making an impact and it's all about trying to encourage you to get off the sofa and get out into the world. Let's have a listen to who we're talking to today. Welcome to Curious City. Today we have Ben Carlin, who is one of the co-founders of Megaverse, which is an alternate reality studio that makes immersive and interactive experience for VR, AR and XR. Ben, hello. Hello. Do you want to explain that sentence to us? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, so, yeah, what the kind of stuff that we do is all, it's all based around kind of like user experience, interactivity, Anything with those kind of virtual reality headsets that you put on make, you know, expansive worlds. We sort of... So is it like an entertainment thing? Uh, yeah, it sort of crosses entertainment and art, I okay. think. Um, but we also do... We're doing quite a lot of work with Sheffield Children's Hospital building distraction therapy apps using this immersive technology as well for, so, so to dis- distract kids from treatment and have a more kind of uh, pleasant time. Yeah, so it kind of... I guess the core of Megaverse is like making bespoke um, immersive experiences. Uh, And sometimes that is commercially and then sometimes that's our own stuff. We've got quite a lot of mad creative ideas that we're (laughs) exploring at the moment. And when you say we, who do you mean? So John Ingle is the other um, founder of Megaverse and we went to university together, uh, but he wasn't actually on my course. I did drama oh. with his girlfriend and uh, we did a lot of theatre stuff together and then we'd bring John in to kind of come and film our promos <laughs> and stuff uh, and I don't know we just kind of got along quite well and then uh, we left uni kind of went our separate ways but kept in touch and then a bit further down the line he saw some of the work that I was doing and he was like I think we should collaborate you know, collaborate and that's how it all started so you've come at this kind of from a from a theater perspective yes. would you say yeah okay and yeah. i ask people on, on the questionnaire um mm-hmm. to describe themselves and um oh, no i no, i was really interested in in uh, some people just put bullet points and other people yeah. put a sentence yeah um <laughs> and i you describe yourself as there are three that i've I liked. I mean, I liked all of them, but yeah. eccentric, unconventional, nerd. So I was what, told what to put the nerd in there by my housemate. What does that word mean to you? I think it, someone that's a little bit kind of um, <clears throat> very focused on. I don't know, just a bit geeky, a little bit. Um, I don't know, a bit weird and kind of a bit focused on a particular thing, like almost obsessively. 
yeah. I think that maybe that kind of obsessive. I'm glad you said that <laughs> word because it's kind of come. Like, it's really interesting reading these because you get a flavour of someone and um, it asks who inspires you and you mention the likes of Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> um, yeah. The people who, who... I'm not comparing myself to no, Leonardo I know, da Vinci. No, you're just yeah. inspired by him. Yeah. But um, yeah. They, they get kind of very fixated on something. And the other thing you say is that lots of your days are spent in isolation, really, really focusing in on something very, very specific. Mm-hmm. And do you think that you have to be quite eccentric and unconventional to, to be able to do that and spend those periods of, of time in isolation working to such a high degree? I think, uh, I think part of it is just like uh, having a bit of a one-track mindedness to kind of, uh, I, I don't know, I'm really motivated by these sort of mad creative ideas and I want to sort of see them through. And I, I, I kind of think, maybe it's it's super easy to kind of get caught up in maybe another job that you're doing and then that to be a distraction whereas <laughs> I've kind of made my job that yeah it's it's a good so, technique isn't it yeah it's that do, do what you love thing yeah yeah so I, I yeah okay um so these three types of days that you have um mm. If you want to just like tell us a little bit more about we've heard about the children's hospital which is more of an installation isn't it mm-hmm and tell us a little bit more about Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yeah, Frankenstein is a live theatre show that uh, put on by the National Theatre, uh, Youth Theatre um, at Southwark Playhouse, which happened last month. Um, and essentially very early on before, um, it's a new adaptation of Frankenstein as well, where okay. basically it's all gender swapped. So Victor Frankenstein is now Victoria Frankenstein. Um, the monster, instead of it uh, being male, is female, or essentially a female robot okay. um, from the future. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Um, <laughs> and National Youth Theatre sort of came to us because they wanted to do something digital with, um, with the text. And basically this opportunity came up where they had some sponsorship uh, to use loads of headsets and... Uh, you know, they've got like 300 of these sort of headsets at their disposal. What, like VR headsets? VR, VR, virtual reality headsets. And my initial response, reaction to that was like, oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not really that sure that this is going to work. Because usually when we build virtual reality experiences, they're kind of more platform native. You think about... Platform native, right. Yeah. You're just going to have to explain that Well, to me. so like virtual reality is like a medium in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so does it actually fit into what's a traditional theatre context? Okay. Usually when we build like a VR experience, like the medium is incorporated in the creative process and the idea, yeah. whereas it's not sort of, you know, the, the tried and tested theatre model works. And like You don't just slot a headset halfway yeah. through and, and go somewhere else. Exactly. My, my fear initially was I don't want to make something that's gimmicky that kind of feels like, and now put on your 3D glasses yeah, and we'll yeah, get yeah. taken into another world. <laughs> like that was the last thing I sort of wanted with it. So that was my initial fear. But I said, you know, if we work quite closely with the writer um, who's adapting the text and the director from the beginning, there could it's be a way that the headset can be in- 
incorporated into the whole language of the play. Mm-hmm. So actually in the, in the production, um, you see the cast with VR headsets. That's it's part of their world. Okay. Um, so is it, is it a sort of fu- futuristic world? Yeah, it's set like a few years in the future. Okay. Yeah. So you managed to have 300 yeah. people in headsets. So, we, so the actual capacity for Southwark Playhouse in this Traverse setup that we were in um, was 233. Okay. But we had 300 headsets primed and ready, you know, if, in case any other headsets like broke or something yeah. went wrong. Um, and what happens is the first half of the play is without virtual reality. Then there's a little break, the audience leave. Um, and when they come back in, we've, ha- <laughs> we've got like this team of virtual reality assistants and the actors. So the virtual reality assistants hand all the actors like all the headsets and then they, the actors place them under each chair the audience okay. members. So then they sit back down and at a certain point in the second half, everyone's asked um, to put on the headsets and they get taken to the Arctic and then they go inside the brain of the monster um, for like seven minutes. So it's actually, it's not a, a super long part of the show, but um, <clears throat> that, like it was also this tension actually when we were first starting with, the actors are, are, are you know yeah. are we going to somehow upstage the actors by doing all this vr stuff yeah when and then when it comes back at... to us everyone's going to be like oh just go back to the arctic yeah yeah exactly yeah are we somehow gonna but, detract but um and are you is that have you got any plans to develop that is that going yes. anywhere else or yes yeah yeah so i mean actually how how it um worked out in the end it, it was as a format and how we integrated it with the onboarding and the offboarding worked. It worked really well. And like, I was quite pleasantly surprised with how well it sort of was achieved. And the fact that within 30 seconds, if any headset went wrong, you know, some, you know, someone was there to give them a new one. And, you know, that as a technological achievement in a live theatre show, I think is... It's pretty, it's quite groundbreaking, isn't it? Yeah, it it is. And I think... um, Do you think that the theatre scene is moving towards this this kind of thing a bit more i mean it is is would you say that digital mm. techniques and technology is being used yes more? i think at the moment it's starting to be explored more with uh like some of the very more established uh theater companies like the royal shakespeare company for instance have now like a whole digital department and they've partnered um with magic leap magic leaper uh a mixed reality headset so it's different from virtual reality Why? so with virtual reality you're completely shut off from the outside world you're in a completely virtual oh okay so that it blends the two yes wow so mixed reality is you have glasses on and you can see the real world and then digital objects are overlaid on top um so yeah so companies are starting to take it a lot more seriously now because the tech's improved a lot um but I still think, and like a lot of the work that we're trying to build towards um, with, with what we've got currently bubbling away, mm. um, is more of these platform native experiences which are less about traditional theatre contexts and more about uh, making experiences that uh, use the technology kind of in a more sort of forced, in a less sort of forced way than... Um, in, in a traditional theatre context like because I don't know in a traditional theatre context I always just think that 
anything that you're going to do to that is more like special effects and it jazzes yeah. it up yeah. but it's not creatively as meaningful whereas yeah okay am i going no you, no it's 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 really interesting um <laughs> i would like to know about you know this whole this whole um show the podcast series is all mm. about kind of i suppose lifting the lid on on the cultural melting pot of mm. of the city and and trying to understand like what being a creative in the city means on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. um so what would you say is is the hardest thing about doing what you do uh the hardest thing well currently megaverse you know we, we've been going for like a year and a half officially as a company and i've you know been doing stuff longer than that but we don't have a studio space So actually, one of the hard things, especially when we're working on quite a big project, is I'm here in Sheffield, my business partner's in London, and like there's a lot of stuff that's like inefficient because we're not in the same space working together. Um, So you just kind of take it in turns? Yeah, well, we're constantly on the phone to each other, but like I feel like if we had a kind of a bit more of a start and a finish to maybe a day, and we had a space, a kind of creative space to throw ideas around a bit more than we you know working remotely yeah it would be better another thing is just we don't we're not like a traditional company in the sense that we haven't there's no kind of clear path is there yeah we're not trying to sell a product it's kind of it's, it's so different yeah like i think we're i think the thing that we're very good at is kind of synthesizing kind of almost new formats utilizing this new technology and then working with different creative partners like the National Youth Theatre to kind of bring these new formats to life with interesting stories that gel together okay. but like <laughs> at the moment that that's uh, so a lot of the time we're fundraising yeah uh, we're applying for different funds you know and is it quite difficult to get people to actually understand what it is that Megaverse does yeah 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 so half the time it is just explaining that and luckily John's uh, graphic design background as well like he's super good with be, being very clear in kind of our pitch decks and documents of like visually explaining but sometimes it's also really hard to do that without getting someone in a headset yeah um, yeah so um, what would you say um, is helpful about Sheffield as a city in terms of being a creative living and working here well for 50% of the time or yeah um to be honest, I think that actually once you start tapping into the creative network in Sheffield, like and the digital network in Sheffield, even though there's lots go, like there's there's lots of different companies doing different things, that there is quite like a a community around it mm-hmm. that's very interested in supporting stuff within Sheffield. Um, so, like, I feel I feel like yeah, I think I think the network here is is super helpful because i think you know you'll have one conversation and then you'll get introduced to someone like quite quickly you know uh uh in the city it's so a I think sort that's... of supportive and collaborative isn't yeah, it yeah absolutely yeah and i think but i think also sheffield specifically it hasn't i don't know it's not quite like a, a, as matured maybe say as sort of like manchester or leeds like and i, I why do you think that is I don't know really, but I quite like it. Yeah, I like I like it in the sense that it, it, there's flexibility and there's room for people to really take ownership of 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 
it's not like too established actually develop and, and grow something and start something and, and get yeah. the support yeah absolutely and i think you know if we were to if we were to try and do megaverse in in london it just would never have happened like i think i think for one financially like she's yeah. just like sheffield is a way better place to start a new kind of creative thing because you know your your outgoings are a lot less um which you know a very practical one but also it's a lot easier to tap into that creative and digital network and get something it's going. i mean it is booming isn't it the the digital as you say the and the gaming scene yeah and is massive i think you know for to, a prime example of that is our work with sheffield children's hospital which kind of came out of uh some people seeing some of my earlier work that i got arts council funding for which was like a virtual reality experimental play essentially and 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 then doing a few other bits the children's hospital kind of through word of mouth got to know about what we were doing and then um you know conversations were started kind of like that which i don't think it just happens the same way in a lot of other cities Cities. yeah and while we're on the the topic of cities what what do you what do you like to do in the city when you're not creating these virtual reality worlds and sending us all to the arctic yeah i to be honest i've been really neglecting playing uh my guitar like recently like that's especially growing up music was a massive part of uh my life and acting and yeah and you stuff. talk about um you, your family and yeah. the uh, you, sometimes they don't get to see as much of the creative mad side of you because yeah. they're not necessarily as passionate about the things that you're passionate about which you say yeah. to theater and music i think so, so where does this mad creative streak come from is it i really don't it, know there's I think, no one else in the family okay so it started out with i mean or already unconventionally when i was younger i didn't i mean i did a bit of football and stuff but i wanted to do gymnastics <laughs> just not not happy with football yeah. i'm doing the gymnastics i'm doing gymnastics i want to do some backflips i want to do some you know vaulting so i started off doing that and then through that i met someone that started was doing this theater group okay. and i thought oh i quite i don't know have I, a I just naturally I, I i've always sung like you know and so I thought, oh, maybe I should try that. And then that just spiralled into my love for... That yeah. was back in Cornwall. That's, yeah. It's interesting because, it, again, through your questionnaire, it comes across that, you know, when you say, I love music and I play the guitar and I sing and, and you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a bash at gymnastics as opposed to, like, just hiding in, in a football team. Yeah. That gives the impression that you're quite a gregarious, outgoing and confident person, but... The way that you describe yourself, I think it, yeah. you say that you think that very few people know you properly and that you're, you know, you find big social situations fairly stressful. Do you think yeah. the people listening that know you would be surprised by that? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe a bit, you know, I think it, it's weird because it stems from even it's like, so at school, you know, I, I got, I was like head boy, so I should, you know, oh. I, I know, there you go, <laughs> just get well that done. in the podcast. Um, <laughs> But so I was kind of, I was very outwardly confident, but actually painfully quite shy inside and like quite very anxious. And I think I've kind of, you know, through the years sort of grown uh, out of that a bit, but, but still, yeah. And it, that in a weird way might actually be partly to do with, you know, my, my dad's a pretty mad eccentric um, guy, you know, he's got, Asperger's as well. He's not like. It, it, 
He's think, the introvert without all that kind of razzle-dazzle on top yes. to disguise it. And also, you know, even my mum, I, I kind of think she never... She would always meet up with a couple of friends and kind of... It's weird. <laughs> it's weird how you kind of start to think, oh, yeah, I can kind of see, see why maybe my more, parents. Yeah. more like that. Um, but you say that you have a very... Uh, that your mum's very supportive. Or, or, well, your whole family's very supportive of what you do, even if they don't necessarily understand it. That's it. Like, they, no, they're all super supportive. And in a way, <laughs> probably, like, there's always a slight disappointment that I haven't carried on with maybe performing more. Cause or they, the gymnastics. They loved, or the gymnastics, <laughs> yeah. I think they just loved watching me in stuff. Yeah. Um, and even though I... I feel like, it, you know, for everyone when they're younger, you, you gravitate towards the big shiny... But, like... I feel like I've genuinely found something that I'm like super it, more so than the acting. It's not. I you, think, do you think that the acting helped you find it? Are you glad yes. that you went through that route? Well, it's the acting is so embedded, like all that creative process with the acting and devising theatre. It's so embedded in the like DNA of like the company. Yeah, because you mention in your inspirations the, the, the people that inspire you, the yeah. um, companies like Invisible Flock and Punch Drunk. Yeah. So yeah. that must have been a kind of quite an interesting through line in terms of the immersive experience. Yeah, I think so. I think it, that whole th- thing with, yeah, um, I, I, I think it's because I grew up in a house that was like actually quite technology driven, you know. Um, and my dad was always like building little robots and we always had computers. <laughs> like you do. <laughs> as you do in the garage. What does he do with the robots? Uh, well... We, we went on Robot Wars when I was a kid. Oh, so what? Good. Right, you're going to have to yeah. explain. You're just going to have to talk a little bit more about that, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you win? We got semi-finals. Pretty good. It's, I mean, it's pretty great, isn't it? Yeah. No, no. And, and you know, they're building, they're, they're building more robots as we speak. Who? Um, and my the dad family? and oh. some other people in Sheffield um, in an underground cellar. And, you know, it's the kind of like, it's like basically the shed at the back, bottom of the garden, but in, instead of painting plants and painting it's, it's steel and metal and motors and pillar drills and it's perfect God knows what. but I, I so I, I've always had this like technology thing and my brother's like my older brother's a massive computer gamer so I always used to watch him and I used to get quite a play all of those games and then I guess I was always the performer and you know loved the music and that kind of side of stuff and it weirdly just... It's a kind of marriage of, the, yeah. of all of those things, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, and I think maybe um, Punch Trunk was one of the catalysts for that, where it was like, oh, you don't have to... I mean, to be honest, even throughout when I was at kind of college and uni, I was always trying to experiment with what the audience could be and giving them agency and stuff. And then I think seeing the Punch Trunk stuff like, made me think, oh, you know what? Theatre can be so much more than this traditional setup and I'm I I don't want to bash that whole traditional setup because it has a massive audience but it's just not particularly what I'm that bothered about yeah um so when I was like oh yeah you can build interactivity and all of these things and then in my third year of uni it was it was kind of when virtual reality was just starting to come back how do you think you know what do you think virtual reality what impact is it going to have on us in say 10, 15 years time. How long do you think it's going to take before it becomes a fairly mainstream part of our daily lives? If yeah. if that is if that is what you think is going to happen, or? I think it, uh, I think it will. But it's like at the moment we're seeing these clunky headsets, which are it's almost like when you see like the first generations of computers, they're like these massive, yeah, big clunky devices, 
um, you know, and they they had a you know they're still being used, but like that's where we are with virtual reality. They're big clunky things, and like it's we're starting. I think we're just starting to see a way through that with uh, new headsets like the Oculus Quest, which is like it's like four hundred pounds, but for that you don't have to buy a PC, but you get to do a lot of the functionality that you would normally have previously have had to have bought a PC for to be able to run it. And, um, and that price point is going to keep keep coming down. Yeah. But also... And soon we're all just going to be able to like go down to Specsavers and pick up a pair of VR yeah. specs. Yeah, well, it will be like... So the, the form factor will come down in size dramatically. Yeah. And that's kind of what Magic Leap are trying to do. And it's, try, it's what HoloLens are trying to do with... Sorry, it's Microsoft have their own version of this mixed reality thing called HoloLens as well. Okay. So... It's only a matter of time before Apple. We know they're working on a mixed reality device. Like, and I don't know whether to be pleased or stressed by that. So, okay, I, I think the way to think about it is, it like any technology, it could be deeply dystopian. Yeah. But it could also be absolutely amazing. Because be- you do talk about transhumanism. That's yeah. something I ask people what they're in life they're curious about. And love a bit of transhumanism. I, I'm, I'm going to upload my brain to, say, to the cloud. I had to um, Google it. and for those of you that would also have had to google it transhumanism is a theory that human race can evolve beyond its current physical and mental limitations by means of science and technology Mm -hmm. which is obviously fascinating but also terrifying okay so this phone in our hands yeah that is the first stage of i mean it's not the first stage but it's quite a like this phone we're already augmenting the human experience because our memories and the way that we think is changing because like you Google stuff all the time now. When yeah, you, you I know. asked you, and the last thing you Googled was... Um... Oh, no! <laughs> it's so bad. It's because I watched... Um... Okay, yeah. No, guess. carry on. I'll tell you it's, what it's you Googled because in because I was on Apple Music, and you know, it's pretty mainstream. Well, there's the Ed Sheeran thing. Yeah. Was, yeah, and look, I know a lot of people hate him. I think he's fine. But I actually... Look, all right. I think people are very snobbish with, uh, with their... They're, they're bashing of Ed Sheeran. But you actually specifically Googled, okay. is Ed Sheeran's supermarket flowers song about his mum? Is it? <laughs> it's not, no. Who's it's it? about his grandma. Fine. Similar. Which is, uh, which is still, it makes sense. Um, but I just, I was just like, oh my God, Ed Sheeran's mum's died. Yeah, that, yeah. But I can see why grandma is still really sad, but it's more manageable. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, can you just go back to that thing that you were saying about the phones? And oh, the, yeah, them okay. So this Sorry, little device in your you. hand, yeah. you're all, it's already augmenting the human experience by like being able to know everything instantly in the palm of your hand. What happened, What's the difference with this just being in your brain? Or like, mm. but like in a, in a really like slick a Apple chip. kind of way where you, know, you open the package and all you have to do is just Stick like it click a button ear. and it goes into your head. But then... But what if it goes wrong? Yeah, no, that's the problem. That is a real problem. Mm. But then... Oh, going back to this, you know, yeah. the, the human race's current limitations, that's, yeah. what, that's what the dictionary states. Mm-hmm. What do you think the human, our humans' current limitations are? Um, well, I mean, I think... Are we, are we limited or are we just limited in the context of technology and robots? I think, like, humans always create technology to help them solve something, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think, like, 
it, you know, th this the fo the evolution of the phone is going to be something that's a wearable device. Um, that it basically it's making it easier and easier to just connect with people, ideas, and like, and the barrier to entry sort of gets lowered. And you know, already how dependable are we on our phones yeah. for for modern life? For everything. And because because the world's got way more complicated, and like you need you almost need. It's got a lot faster, hasn't it? It's got a lot faster. Do you need this? You know, maybe we should all unplug. But then, no, because we need to be an interplanetary species. You know, we need to we need to move past, you know, what's happening on this planet because it's all gone to rubbish. Uh, yes. Anyway, uh, the thing that you'd that. forgotten until just now was yeah. that you you needed to vote. Did you manage to get there in time? I did vote. It didn't really matter, though, did no, it? No, no. Well, we won't dwell on that. No. Um, I just want to finish on um for people that don't know maybe don't know sheffield or mm. have you got any hot tips about where where they, oh, yeah. they should go to in sheffield and also the kind of creatives and creative activity that they should have a little look at or the people that are doing something innovative and exciting that absolutely yes go on then okay um okay so, so first a bit of a put you on the spot question isn't it? <laughs> no i think um what I really love about Sheffield, particularly, is it's managed to retain uh, like proper pubs, but not like in a sort of I don't know uh, weird old man kind of traditional. Like, it's more like they've managed to retain such charm and kind of like unpretentiousness. Is that a word? Um, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Is it Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, like, there's places like. Um, the Blake, the Red Deer, the Rutland. I would say to go and visit these places because what they're, what they're amazing for as well is they have such a diverse group of people in them. They've got yeah. like, from kind of all ages, students, you know, like... They feel contemporary without, but with, with managing to encompass some kind of history into yes. it. Yes. And they've not been spoonsified. No. You know? Apparently I feel spoons so... are going into hotels next. Heard that yeah. on the radio. Oh. That cheered me up. Not. But this is it. Like I feel like spoons just sucks the life out of any building and makes it generic as hell. And I just think Sheffield's been there's such a great sort of uh, folk scene as well that yeah. a lot of um, these places kind of really support. Um, and you know, amazing beers in all of these kind of little kind of local pubs. Um, in terms of the arts, when I moved to Sheffield, so. Graduated from uni, moved to Sheffield, um, moved in with my parents for a little bit because I moved it up from Cornwall. Anyway, you don't need to know about um, And So you've been here for how long? I've been here, oh, I don't know, since I, six, six, five or six years. Okay. Yeah. Um, I started off doing stuff at the Theatre Delhi, or it's called the Theatre Delicatessen back then, which was on the moor. Yeah. And it had just started, um, which was like this little uh, pop-up theatre venue that was in the old Woolworths building. Yeah. And the more, and that has now grown. It, it's it's in a different space now. It's it's still kind of at the end of the more, but like that's a really good place to start with like uh, really interesting new uh, uh, theatre, and and you meet a load of cool creative people from that. Mm -hmm. Another one is Food Hall. Yeah, um, that's an amazing one. Um, I mean, yeah, and then there's places music-wise like. Um, I don't know if it's still called Audacious Art Experiment or if it's changed, changed the name, but there's also like Delicious Clam. Yeah. Um, lots of these kind of 
uh, smaller things that have a massive community. They've got integrity, them. haven't they? That's, yes. That's it. That's the thing about Sheffield. It's got integrity. Yeah. Right. There we go. Benjamin Carlin, thank you very much for talking to me today. That's all right. Curious Arts Production.